following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I didn't want us to get past today without me talking to you about this. Uh, If you'll remember, I guess it was three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now, we had a power outage. And what was interesting, there was a grid of power that was out in the city. And what was odd is we had, po- we had no power in the sanctuary, but we had power in the connection. And uh, how many were here for that? For that? Wow. And uh, I, weren't, I, were, I weren't here. I was I was here. I was down on the border of Mexico preaching, and uh, got the report there. You know that there's absolutely no power in the sanctuary, but power in the connection. And you know, everybody when I got back just raved about how great a service it was, and just went on and on about wow, it was awesome. It was awesome being together. It was awesome in the connection. It was the worship was awesome. The community feeling just on and on and on about this hardship of meeting in the connection versus gathering here in the sanctuary. So I didn't think very much about it until I was meditating and Holy Spirit said, you need to look at this. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? He said, isn't it interesting to you that the power was not in the sanctuary but in the connection? Isn't it interesting, Holy Spirit said, that the power was not in the sanctuary, but in the connection. And Holy Spirit showed me so clearly that we've seen some power. We saw power this morning. That's the power to save. We've seen some power to heal. We've seen some power to deliver. But Holy Spirit showed me that if we're going to see the extreme power, it's got to be in the connection. And Holy Spirit showed me, quit praying for power because the power is already here. And he showed me so clearly. He said, said, Kent, when you go to plug in your light, you don't pray for the power. Alabama power has already sent it. When you go for power, you don't have to pray for power to come. Alabama power has already sent all the power I need. All I got to do is plug in. Touch three people and tell them, if you want the power, all you got to do is plug in. Now, this began to help me understand how we're supposed to gather in this season. And I really need you to hear this. Look at Hebrews 10 in the Mirror Translation, verse 25. It says, in the light of our free access to the Father... Let us extend that embrace to one another. Our gatherings are no longer to be a repetition of tradition. Look out now. Our gatherings are no longer to be a repetition of tradition, but an essential fellowship. 
where we remind one another of our true identity. Let us do so with greater urgency now the day has dawned in our understanding. Holy Spirit showed me through the scripture, since you've got this revelation that the connect, the powers in the connection, when you gather, don't gather traditionally, but gather in essential, in other words, very important, imperative fellowship. The word radical doesn't mean to do something different. The word radical comes from radic, which means root. It's actually radical is to go to the root of something. And if we were to go to the root of church scripturally, I would have to be honest and tell you we're pretty far away from the root. That's why a lot of the church doesn't have power is because we're so far away from the root of who we're actually intended to be. How many of you can read the Bible and Acts and realize they had great power? And how many of you have to be honest, even though we've got some power, we don't have the power that they had in the book of Acts. So the Lord's teaching me, showing me what it means to go back to the root. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 33 in the message translation. This is how the early church gathered. So here's what I want you to do when you gather for worship. Each one of you, touch somebody, say we're talking about you now. Each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Now, the early church, when they gathered, they didn't gather waiting for one man to take center stage and tell us what God was saying. I'm all about instruction. I'll show you a scripture about that in a minute. But the original intent of the church was each, every individual, when we came together, had something that was useful for everybody. You'll catch me. Sing a hymn, somebody. Teach a lesson, somebody else. Tell a story. Lead a prayer. Provide an insight. If prayers are offered in tongues, two or three, let, be, let that be the limit. And then only if someone is present who can interpret what they're saying. Otherwise, keep it between God and yourself. I love it when we were on the Freedom March and Dr. Patio, we were marching 800 of us down on the Freedom Riders March, and we're singing this little light of mine, and I had some of my traditional pastor friends that were with me that hadn't yet caught the tongue thing, and old patio burst out in tongues, and, and uh, one of those traditional guys kind of freaked out, and he looked over at his buddy and said, don't worry, she's just talking to God. <laughs> if it's not interpreted, just keep it between God and you, and no more than two or three speakers at a meeting with the rest of you listening, taking it to heart. Take your turn. No one person taking over. Then each speaker gets a chance to say something special from God, and you all learn from each other. If you choose to speak, you're also responsible for how and when you speak. And when you worship the right way, God doesn't stir us up into confusion. He brings us into harmony. And this goes for all churches, no exceptions. Now, how many of you could realize that could never transpire in this room? So if all thousands of us gathered together and tried to function like that, it would be utter confusion, and we would be here for 18 hours if everybody gave their portion. Are you following me? Hence, the importance to gather as the early church gathered 
and experience what they experienced when they had communion. If you will notice, we no longer serve communion publicly. Have you noticed? And I've been questioned about it, and I'll tell you why I've stopped. Because I don't believe it's true communion. I don't believe communion was ever a wafer in a thimble. I'll be back over here in a minute. <laughs> because true communion was powerful. It was actually so powerful. Let me show you 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 30. Here's what Paul the apostle said. I, for I received from the Lord himself this instruction which I passed on to you. Paul said, I didn't read it in a book. I didn't get it from a commentary. I received this from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pass it on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this represents my body which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So when they would gather for communion, they were celebrating the fact Jesus is not dead. He's not religious. He's not a historical figure. He's a living Christ who is alive and wants to manifest him in the midst of our communion. Are you tracking with me? So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Most people have taken that and said you can't take communion if you're sinful. But that makes no sense because if that was true, nobody here today could take communion. You may, not have, you may have kept nine, but you didn't keep ten. Because everybody here missed it on some level this week. So it couldn't be taking communion worthily is taking it without sin. Actually, we can't be sinless to have communion. It's communion that reminds us that we're sinless. Come on now. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ, and only when he has done so should he eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ eats and drinks a judgment on himself. If he does not recognize the body of Christ, that careless, here we go, that careless and unworthy participation is the reason why so many among you are weak, sick, and even die prematurely. Here's what was happening, Paul writes Corinthians. They were gathering, and basically there were several that were coming to the communion meal, and they were just coming for the food and drink. Paul actually said, some of them, you eat so much that you're gluttonous, and you drink so much that you're drunk before the other people actually even get here. He said, that is doing it unworthily because you don't realize what it's about. It's not about just filling your belly and it's not about just drinking. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ himself manifesting in the midst of his people in a meal shared together called communion and the Holy Spirit touching every person around the table and every person around the table having a gift manifesting and people being healed, set free and delivered while eating a meal together. True communion in the early church, this is the way it happened. 
It wasn't a wafer and a thimble. They gathered around a table. Let me just paint you a picture. And there would be a dozen or more gathered around one table. And there would be food, potluck, we'll call it. Some brought this, some brought that, some brought this. And yes, there was normally wine and bread. And so what would happen is they would gather around the table and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come to the meal. And they would begin to eat. At some point during the eating, they would remember the body broken, the blood spilled, and the next thing you know, all of a sudden, the atmosphere shifts. Now it's not just a normal meal, but now the Lord Jesus Christ and his manifested presence are there. He is the bread of life. Now all of a sudden, somebody gets touched by Holy Spirit and stands up and sings a song. And the glory of God falls in the room. Then somebody says, on the way here, the Lord spoke this scripture to me. And they open the word of God and they speak the word of God. Then all of a sudden, somebody just all of a sudden gets touched, Holy Spirit, and starts speaking in tongues. And the person across the table has the interpretation. And God has spoken now to the whole Then somebody has a word of knowledge that somebody's here tonight and you've got a problem with your back. And the next thing you know, somebody's back gets... And then all of a sudden, somebody has a word of wisdom about a businessman who's there who's trying to make a difficult decision and gives him the word of wisdom that he needs to hear about his. Next thing you know, everybody at the table is profiting from the power of Holy Spirit working in the midst of the body of Christ. Let me just go ahead and tell you, this ain't going to happen on Sunday. We're never going to be able to live in this kind of power and this kind of demonstration if this is all it's about. Don't get me wrong. This is important. I love it. This is Ephesians 4. Okay? Let me show you Ephesians. Are y'all tracking with me okay? Ephesians 4. For his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. He did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service. I've said it before, I'll say it again. How ludicrous would it be for Coach Saban to coach Alabama? Uh, all week or all month, and then everybody come to watch the coaching staff play. But most churches, that's what it was. The, the, the clergy instruct and teach, and then on Sunday, people come to watch the clergy play the game. But that's never the way God designed this church to be. He designed his church for every person in the body of Christ to step into their calling, their anointing, their giftedness, and begin to fully function as who God had called them to be in the body of Christ. Touch your neighbor and say, you're important to me here. Tell them, you're important to me here. Or Chiswick to uh, the War Eagle crew that beat us this year. Uh, you know, either way you want to go with that. Chiswick, right? Malzon, I am so sorry, Malzon. I get confused. War Eagle. Okay. <laughs> Go Gamecocks. See how often we get in the flesh. Let's go on. <laughs> 
God's people for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually, become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we, could, we will be no longer children spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about with every wind of shifting doctrine by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheme of people ready to do anything for personal profit. But speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech, our lives, expression is truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, and its various parts joined and knitted firmly together by every joint supplying. When each part is working properly, It causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. So dream with me a minute. This gathering is to instruct believers to, so that you can begin to step into your calling and manifest. Then when we step into our houses of light, these monthly gatherings, all the gifts of Holy Spirit should be fully functioning as Jesus' presence fills our communion tables. And the next thing you know, miracles begin to explode such as we have never seen before because of plugging into the power of God. Why do you think the enemy fights us so much on it? And believe me, I, I'm like you. I don't want to go to another Bible study. Hello. I mean, I love the Bible. But I'm just saying, I'm not, my, my reason for gathering once a month with you in a house of light is not for a Bible study. I, and even though if, if I like the Bible and I study the Bible. I'm gathering because Jesus promised where two or three would gather in his name, there he would be right in the midst of us. See, we've got to quit gathering around a book and start gathering around the person. That's what the early church did. They gathered around the manifest presence of Jesus as believers, equipped, and miracles took place all the time. Can I show it to you real quick? And I'm hurrying. Acts 2. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. A sense of awe was felt by everyone. When's the last time you were awed? Like, oh my God, that's awesome. It was felt by everyone. Many wonders and signs and attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the whole group. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the other believers as everyone had need. Day after day, they met in the temple area, continuing one mind, breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those that were being saved. I was with the Lord praying. I said, Lord, can you, can you believe, I said this a few years back, that we've not gathered one week at Word Alive that somebody hadn't gotten saved. Like, I was asking the Lord, can you believe that? Like, the Lord's like, no, I can't believe that, Kent. 
And the Lord was like, that's awesome. He said, but that's not my plan. I said, what's your plan? He said, my plan daily. Not weekly. Daily. People would be added to the kingdom. So what's happening? Some of our House of Light leaders are getting this revelation. And so what they're doing, they're inviting employees, employers, uh, their lawn man, the uh, orchid man, all the people that they're meeting that comes around their house, and they're saying, hey, how would you like to come by and eat a meal with us this month? And they're like, what holiday is it? <laughs> and they're like, it's, it's, it's the once a month that we pause to say thanks to God for his many blessings on our life and share a meal together. And we pause once a month to do that. Would you like to join us? They're like, sure. So they're coming into this communion meal as outsiders, even non-believers, sitting, eating a meal with believers. And the next thing you know, they're lighting up because they're getting a revelation of who Jesus is by sharing a meal with other believers. And the Lord's now, people are getting saved not just at Word Alive on Sunday. They're getting saved at homes every month as people are reaching out to their local community, causing people to come to know the Lord. Touch your neighbor looking right now. It's the time you go to work, girl. <laughs> Tim, it's time you go to work, boy. Are you hearing me? Here's what's happening in Matthew 5. Here's one way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. See, we've, we, we, we've got to get our place back to this original design where Jesus said, if you just sit down and eat a meal. Now, what's interesting, the scripture I read in Acts, they were already gathered around Pentecost. That's why it says they continued. They continued the feast. They continued Rosh Kadesh, the monthly meetings. They continued the Sabbath, but they did it with the Holy Spirit's presence. And so what happened is the Lord was adding daily to the church through their lives and their generosity because God was living in their midst and great signs and wonders and miracles were happening. Jude 1, 12 calls this love feasts. Love feasts. We should be having monthly love feasts where you walk into my house and you are overcome by the love of God that's manifested in our presence. Why? Love covers a multitude of sin and love never fails. Love's what heals cancer. Come on. Love's what heals the sick. Love's what gets people saved. Love's what raises the dead. Love's what produces miracles. And Jude was saying, be careful about these people who try to come in your love feast. These spots, it says something like this. It says they're clouds that have no water, trees that have no fruit. So what he's saying is be careful and don't let people come into your love feast and take it off track because it's for one thing, to love God, love each other, and see the manifestation of Holy Spirit happen in our midst. Love feasts. And so can you dream with me a minute what could happen around us if we all entered in these love feasts? 
Now, I know it's scary. Why is it scary? Because you really don't want nobody to know you. Why? Because I can act hour and a half on Sunday, I got it together. You start eating with me, and I burn my hand on the stove and say, you know, or whatever in front of you. Come on. You start coming to my house. You start hanging out with me. You start seeing me day in, day And so most of us don't want other people to see our brokenness. But in actuality, it's my brokenness that allows me to connect to you. I don't need you in the area I'm strong. I need you in the area I'm weak. And if you never see my weaknesses, I, you, can, you and I can never con- connect. God, what God's plan was to put a lot of broken people together and we connect together. And all of a sudden, a bunch of broke, weak people become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we're not ashamed to reveal our brokenness. And to do life together and to see the kingdom of God manifested. And to take up our anointing, our calling, Revelations 1, 5, and 6. Here's where we'll end. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto our God the Father. Every person in here has a priestly and a kingly calling. You weren't just saved from something, you were saved for something. And when you plug in, power becomes available. We need everybody here plugged in. While we need, we need everybody here powered up. You say, why? I'm tired of seeing saints die with cancer. I'm tired of seeing a, people that are addicted not getting their breakthrough. I'm tired of seeing the devil step into marriages and wreak havoc on marriages at will. I'm tired of seeing the devil step into people's homes and steal their children out oh, out away from them and take them into darkness when all, when all the reason we're supposed to be a house of God. And I'm convinced the reason we're doing it is we don't have the power. We've got faith. We've got desire. But we don't have the power. Let's be honest. True power is when devils show up. And when devils showed up and Jesus was there, somebody always screamed and it never was Jesus. <laughs> that demon-possessed people walk into your house, sit down at your table, and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit delivers them. All of a sudden, curses get broke. All of a sudden, bodies get healed. All of a sudden, marriages get restored. All of a sudden, children come home. But we're never going to get there if we don't change how we gather. We'll get there partially. 
And don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful for what we've seen thus far. But I'm just hungry to see truly what God can do. And I believe Holy Spirit's given me a revelation that the power is in the connection. And so I want to challenge you for 2020. If you've never stepped into a house of light, I need you to take that step of faith. And it may take you a few because you're not supposed to be connected to everybody, but you're supposed to be connected to somebody. And it may take you a few. And you know, and I love this. You know, I love when people said all the time, they say, Kent, you know what I love about your church is it's multicultural, multiracial. Right? And, and, I, and I love that, don't you? But I would like to ask this question. How's that playing out in community? It's uh, good stuff. Are we going to each other's house and me eating your food and you eating my food? You singing my music, me singing your music? Come on now. Or have we become homosexuals? Which means we only fellowship with like kind. It's important, guys. And I feel Holy Spirit is really speaking to us. That if we'll plug in to the power through our connection, that we're about to see things we've never seen before. We're about to see miracles and breakthroughs and provision manifested because we're walking in the will of God, doing what God wants is His original creative design for the church. Now, don't get me wrong, we're going to keep gathering on Sunday because this is important. Corporate worship's important. Corporate worship's necessary. I, there's nothing. I, I'm the preacher and I love coming. That's, that's, that's unusual. I love, I, you can ask Bev, I can't wait to get here on Sunday morning because I know I'm going to get to be with you, get to be in worship, get to praise God. Get, I get to preach. I love to preach. Right? But that's just the beginning. Spirit showed me that the only way that we're going to see that full manifestation is to plug in in our connections. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.